Welcome to the Sober Podcast, part of the Soberverse created by the team at the Sober Network. The Sober Network has engaged in revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy. We offer fresh ideas to an industry that has relied on dated interventions. We are responsive to a new generation of substance users who are attached to their phones so we can impact massive social change. Our unmatched technology displays solutions of our various brands, demonstrating a thorough understanding of how we get things done. We are proving that technology, along with incentivized human accountability, provides measurable and positive outcomes. Visit us at SoberNetwork.com. Welcome to the Sober Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Brickhouse. And our Sober Liberty guest today is Kay Allison. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about her. She's got a lot to tell us. Um, she is an author. Her book is Juicy AF, Alcohol-Free, Stop the Drinking Spiral, Create Your Future. And she has been sober since 1999. Thank you for joining us on the Sober Podcast, Kay. I'm excited to have you on the show. Jamie, I've been so looking forward to talking to you. I just, I love your energy. I love your style. I love your sense of fun and play. I think that's what being alcohol-free should be all about. Absolutely. I totally agree. You know, um, it doesn't mean, does it doesn't mean your life is over when you stop drinking or stop using. I think it means your life is just beginning. Um, I, I thought that drinking was like my portal to magic and color and possibilities. Yeah. Um, and what I realized is I need to create that in my reality if I'm not drinking anymore, because I can't live without that stuff. Yeah. And that's my invitation to people who are sober curious or, you know, kind of thinking maybe they have a problem or should take a break. Um, what I want to say is, man, when you can live that for real rather than for pretend, it is like on steroids. I totally agree with you. And I, and I like that you brought that up right away because um, similarly for me, drinking was the same thing. It was about making uh, life fun and glamorous and, um, you know, and, and if it wasn't fun, then, then creating fun. And, you know, sometimes it did that. Oh um, yeah. But a lot of times it was false. And like you said, when you, when you're able to do, when you're able to create fun and excitement and color and glamor, uh, uh you know, sober, i.e. for real, 
Um, <laughs> <Right>. IRL. <laughs> like when you wake up the next morning, it's not going to be all gone. <laughs> it's not, it's not yeah, and you're gonna not going to feel like hell either, right? Right, right. Yeah, I, I loved in your memoir when you talk about it, it, drinking made you feel grown up. I'm the youngest of three girls, and my sisters are like five and seven years older, and I, they were the girls, and I was like, I don't know, like, I, I thought biologically I was a girl, but in my family, they were the girls, and uh I wanted to be grown up. And I thought that alcohol was part of the trappings of being grown up. Yeah. And it was a fast ticket uh, (laughs) to adulthood. Um, But so you've been sober a long time, 23, 24 years. 23. Yeah. Um, Tell us about how you got sober and what led to you getting sober. You know, um, I outwardly thought that I looked like I had it together. You know, I lived in Chicago, you know, in old town, Chicago. I lived in a cool townhouse. I had custody of two kids, drove a shiny, you know, late model car. I was a senior vice president of a global ad agency. I traveled, you know, like I thought I looked like I had it all together Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, from the outside. Right. And yet I was drinking a bottle of wine by myself you know, three, four, five nights a week or more. Mm -hmm. And um, what I found the older I got, I mean, it was in my thirties, but I found the older I got, the less able I was to bounce back, the more anxiety, the more exhaustion, the more overwhelm. And I got caught in this spiral where I thought, oh, I'll just have one to take this edge off. Right. Yeah. Once I start, man, I can't stop. So I never would just have one. And I'd wake up the next day and I didn't realize it was the alcohol that was increasing my anxiety. And so I'd have higher anxiety, Mm -hmm. pretend all day that I had my shit together, need a drink to take the edge off, just one, you know, rinse and repeat. It just went over and over and over again. And it got exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I asked myself a billion times, do you think I have a problem with alcohol? And finally, I screwed up enough courage to say, I think I'm going to try going into a 12-step meeting. And and I did. And, and, you, and, you, and you stopped. That's great. Yeah, I stopped. I stopped that day and haven't had a drink since. So as we said, you've been sober a fairly long time, double-digit sobriety. Um, And how has it changed uh, over the years? Oh, my gosh. You know, what I was the most amazed at when I started was how free people were. So I remember, Jamie, walking into a meeting early in my sobriety, and there was this stunningly beautiful woman telling her story at the front Mm -hmm. of the room. And she was saying, you know, I was in my living room with my husband and my boyfriend and the police and it was 3 a.m. And I this was perfectly normal. And she like laughed and laughed and laughed. And at the time I was like, oh my God, we don't talk about that stuff. You know, I had all those things buried under shame and remorse and regret and embarrassment and a right. big on top saying, nothing to see here, pass on my, <laughs> you know. And not only was she free from alcohol, but she was free from shame and she was free from pretense. And all that was left was this shimmering, 
glittery, like vibrating aliveness. And mm-hmm. it was shocking to me because I'd never seen anything like it. But yeah, she was just telling the truth, spoken from acceptance, right? Except, and a sense of amusement about mm-hmm. it, a sense of lightness about it rather than, oh, this horrible thing happened for me. And, you know, honestly, that's why I wrote my book. I want to be that now for other people that you can have a sense of humor and have a sense of lightness and amusement about all the crap we did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can use it, right, to yeah. to grow and move forward. Um, you help lead uh, professional women in sobriety. Are there specific paths you follow to do so compared to what many others do to get sober? Yeah. What, what, you know, I've been around 12 step programs for a very long time. Yeah. And as a successful woman, sometimes I feel Jamie, like I have to do it backwards and in heels. That's backwards and in heels. Okay. Yeah. Like Ginger Rogers, right. Yeah, to Fred Astaire, sure. right? <laughs> and um, well, I tell stories in heels. So I, so I know I, you I do. I know you do. <laughs> so Here's what I mean by that. You know, in the 1930s, when AA was created, the guys presented with these gigantic egos. And so ego puncturing is the antidote. Yeah. I find with a lot of the professional women, we're driven by this fear that we're inadequate. Like we're not good enough. We're not thin enough or smart enough or successful enough or too young or too old or whatever the hell we think. And so that ego puncturing, what I've found with the women I work with is it exacerbates the problem. It makes it worse rather than being an antidote. The thing, so I've adapted a lot. I've adapted a lot. The principles, the fact, the spiritual principles, we practice spiritual principles instead of our old ideas. That's the crux of what I do. And I got that from AA, Mm -hmm. but I expressed it in a way that Professional women can hear and it lands with them and they don't have to go through layers of unpacking stuff and trial and error to make it work for them. I love that. Can you, do you have, um, not to put you on the spot, but um, any, like a, a specific example of, of someone you worked with, you know, obviously without telling their name, but I mean, just a, a story of, of how that worked with this. Yeah, absolutely. Um a lot of the professional successful women that I work with tend to believe that it's their job to rescue everybody, uh-huh. that their job is to swoop in, make sure everybody is fixed and then swoop back out, you know, like mighty mouse here, I come to save the day. Right. You know? <laughs> and um, what I've found with them is that phrase of cease fighting anything or anyone. Mm-hmm. Understanding that to give someone else the dignity to have their own experience, like these are some of those spiritual principles that are antidotes to that belief that as long as everybody else is okay, I'm okay too, which is a very female way of showing up in the world. Right. I mean, I kind of feel like it, to, to, that almost all women by default or by nature are by the way, by, by the way they have been conditioned in society that almost all women need Al-Anon. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's what this, uh, right. uh, you know, so. I mean, to yes. use that other 12 step group, I'm sorry. I don't always use the names, but some people yeah. do, but yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. My mother wasn't a drinker, um, but she was that, you know, superwoman who, who she took charge anyway, but also had that, had that feeling of had to swoop in and, 
um, clean everything up, but she was, yeah, she was, she was right for the other program. I um, tell, uh, I tell my ladies, you know, Hey, you think you're mighty mouse, but just, you're, you're just a mouse with a cape. Like seriously, <laughs> let's get real. <laughs> I love that. Just a mouse with a cape. Um, <laughs> we're going to take a, a quick break because this is a great time to stop and say thanks to our sponsor, Stephanie Weiss. She's a certified health and recovery coach based locally in Connecticut and offering virtual services nationwide. If you would like more information, please reach out to info at sobernetwork.com. That's I-N-F-O at S-O-B-E-R-N-E-T-W-O-R-K.com. Now let's get back to Kay Allison. Um, Careers in sobriety are more achievable than when we were using. Um, did you struggle learning how to achieve professionalism in recovery? I found that being sober was my secret weapon. Nobody, mm. none of my, so I worked with Fortune 200 companies. Yeah. And I helped them create $2 billion in new revenue. And none of them knew that I, I wasn't out about being sober then. Yeah. But it was my competitive edge for three reasons. Number one, I was so ridiculously honest. If somebody would call and say, hey, I've got this project and I didn't have experience, I'd say, you know, I'm not your girl for that, but let me refer you. Or if something screwed up and it was my fault, I, I just owned it. Like yeah. we learned to do and make the way it we right. learned to own it. Exactly. Um, the second thing was it cleared up my intuition so much that I knew things without knowing how I knew them. I got to the point, Jamie, where I would say to clients, I have your new product idea. I can't access it, but I can feel it that it's in my body. I got to go home and sleep. I'll come back and tell you the answer tomorrow. And at first they thought it was really weird. And then they were like, go sleep, go to your thing. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll be brilliant. And if it takes a little time, then so be it. Right. Right. Um, and then the third part of it was I did what I said and I said what I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And was it, and, um, were you still in the ad business when you were a lot of what you were just talking about? No, I started my first entrepreneurial venture and, um, Oh, good. I wanted to ask you about that anyway. So, yeah, so I started a company called energy infuser. We worked with fortune 200 companies. And this happened after you got sober. A year sober. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, I um, was negotiating with the um, CEO of the global ad agency that I worked with because I wanted to keep a relationship with them, but I wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. I had two kids in private school, was scared to death of this guy, didn't trust him. And the woman that was helping me with my recovery said, I'm not a business negotiator, but practice these three spiritual principles courage honesty, and sincerity. And those are the only things I had down on my notepad when I walked into that meeting. Do you know I walked out of there with a half a million dollar contract? I could not believe it. I was like, this spiritual stuff works. Sign me up. <laughs> this spiritual stuff turns into money. money. I like. Me likey. <laughs> um, so uh, what's... Tell us some more about, um, uh, well, I, I want to talk about your book. Um, yeah, great. And I'm going to say the title again, so everyone's got it. Juicy AF, Alcohol-Free, 
Stop the Drinking Spiral, Create Your Future. Um, when did that come out? And um, what was your um, intention in writing it? And what? Yeah, great. So it dropped um, January 10th. So it's three weeks old. Oh my God, it's a baby. I didn't it's realize I, knew it was new, I didn't realize it was so new. Oh my God, it's an infant. I can hear it crying and, and it's <laughs> it needs its diapers changed. Yeah. Um, so my purpose was to communicate to professional women that being alcohol free can be a huge competitive edge. Mm-hmm. And um, a life without alcohol is magical and wonderful. That was really my intention. Yeah. And it's been out uh, three weeks now. So um, have you had any um, events or in, uh, is it, is it till too uh, too soon to have had feedback from any readers? Well, several things. Number one, Amazon bestseller in three categories. What are the categories? Uh, relationships, behavior, and it was a business. No, uh, no, none. None of the business. No, one of the business categories. Business relationships. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. So there were three categories, which is great, and um, I've gotten great reviews. on Amazon, you can read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a book launch lunch, which was super fun. And I'm reading at the Boulder Bookstore, uh, February 23rd. Oh, right. Well, anyone out there in Boulder, um, go to the Boulder book. It's called Boulder Bookstore. It is. Yeah. Right. February 23rd. What time is that? 6.30 p.m. Although by the time this airs, it may have already happened. Um um, everybody out listening out there, we're recording in January, but I think this is going to air in March. So, um, anyway, but the book will still be new and still be hot and still be, uh, something, uh, you should all get, uh, and, um, tell us about some of the other entrepreneurial, uh, ventures you've, uh, created since, Oh, I had a I had a natural food company that I sold at the beginning of um, the pandemic. I had a focus group facility. I've done a bunch. You can tell I have ADD. I'll do this and <laughs> this and that. Um, and but what I partly in the book, what I've done and in my programs, in addition to having been in recovery for a very long time, I've also learned a lot of skills in how to be a successful entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And, and I've figured out how to sell in a way that keeps me in alignment rather than me showing off and trying to please somebody else or convince them that I've great, I'm great. And so the book and my programs really weave together what I've learned spiritually. I'm also a trained clairvoyant you know, what I've learned on a spiritual basis, as yeah. well as what I've learned as an entrepreneur and really have, I've woven those things together in a digestible step-by-step guide. Fabulous. All right. You're a trained clairvoyant. Um, I am. Tell me about that and how that uh, came about. I've always known things without having a rational way of knowing them. Like back in the day when you didn't have caller ID, I'd know who was calling and um, I, I, when my oldest child was a sophomore in college, she was going to go do a study abroad. Part of it, I felt great about part of it. I felt like a knife in my heart. She was going to go to Nepal, you know, so she changed her plans. She didn't go to Nepal. 
The day she would have landed, the king declared a state of emergency and cut Nepal off from the rest of the world for six months. Uh, wow. Yeah. So I decided since I have this, I might as well learn how to use it. So I actually go to a clairvoyance school. I've been doing it for eight years. I can channel, I can read people. Um, but the most important thing, two most important things, one is I can now turn it off. I think that that's partly why I drank because I could sense what was going on with everybody all the time and it was overwhelming. And the second thing is um, I can clear other people's stuff out of my space. Oh, it's fabulous. Oh, I, okay. Maybe I need to, I'm not, I don't think I'm clairvoyant, but if, if, that, if it will teach me how to clear other people's stuff out of my space. Oh my God, um, it's the best. I may need to do that. But you know, you have given me a new insight into clairvoyancy, which is, I kind of thought, um, if someone is clairvoyant, they either are, they aren't, and 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 then so be it, and you you use it. But it, but you just said it's a talent. Like you know, you might have a talent for writing, you might have a talent for painting, you might have a talent for uh, uh, singing, whatever. Got to nurture that talent. You've got you've got to you you you've got to study um, and 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 rein it in. So. And this is a little different than that, Jamie. I, I feel like we're all, we all get messages, but so many of us are blocked because we over rely on rational thinking and yeah. intelligence um, or patterns or we're invalidated or whatever. But I think innately it lies down deep inside of all of us. And it's a matter of cleaning away all the debris uh, so that the light can really shine. Great. Well said. And uh, what, and then I'm going to go back to a practical thing about um, back to um, what's been the focus of this is about, you know, professional women, uh, uh, sobriety and, and professional women, and in particular, and you were in the ad world when you got sober. I was. And of course, there's there's a lot of entertaining and drinking, you know, taking out clients or et cetera. It's one of those industries. Um, where there can be a lot of drinking. Was that, how, how, what, what recommendations do you have for someone in that type of industry where alcohol is, is where drinking is, is around and, and oftentimes expected of you, you know, and, and how to deal with that when you've got to be in those situations? I have in the book and in my programs, I talk about developing scripts for sticky situations so you can sail through them. And a lot of times it's a matter of thinking things through before you're in the situation. Like, how are you going to respond if the waiter asks you for your drink order first? And you know everybody else is going to be ordering Long Island iced teas or wine or whatever, right? Um, or, you know, somebody has the temerity of asking you why you aren't drinking. Like, A, rude, and B. Right. Yes, it is. You know, and sometimes that's enough. Sometimes you just say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I also find that um, I, I teach the women I work with to use their phones to send themselves reminders at vulnerable times. So if I'm going out with clients on a Thursday at six o'clock, I'll set a reminder on my phone at 555 with a picture of me hung over saying, don't do it. Mm. You're going to feel like shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and this is what you're going to look like the next day. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, what has been the hardest thing you've gone through in sobriety and how did you get through it? 
Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this question. My husband and I. Because you're clairvoyant? Uh, or because you've listened to No, because I listened to your podcast. Um, <laughs> my husband and I adopted a daughter from China, and she has been sick and um, had uh, some you know, behavioral and psychological issues. And mm-hmm. it's it's just been, there have been times when it's been heartbreakingly difficult, mm-hmm. um, like just illness after illness after illness, outbursts of explosive rage multiple times a day for months on end. It's been really, really hard. And I have to tell you that having a bunch of girlfriends to walk through life with who are also yeah. alcohol free and who practice spiritual principles in their lives. Um, at the nadir of that experience, there was a woman that I knew from sobriety that I didn't know very well, but she had had a daughter with not the same medical stuff, but similar enough. She called me every other day. She taught me how to make a binder of all my daughter's medical stuff. She came with me to die. I like she was just this angel that dropped in and walked me through that and then dropped back out. Um, and that's how I got through it. I talked about it. I would mm-hmm. talk, I'd go to a meeting at noon and say, I don't know how I'm going to do from after school to dinner, let alone dinner to bedtime. Yeah. Talk about it. And people, I asked for help. I really had to learn to ask for help because it was overwhelmingly difficult. Yeah. And it isn't amazing when you talk about it, 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 it helps release the power of the, of the problem and the anxiety. And then when you ask for help, you often get it right. (laughs) It's really in ways and from people that were so unexpected. Well, what is the best lesson you've learned in sobriety and how did it help you? And it might Um, be the same answer, but my my best my biggest lesson in sobriety is that our life is like a a series of experiments and you take actions and you get results and if you pay attention to the results and make changes if they're not working great you finish that lesson and you get to move on and if you haven't it's going to come back in another guise so you get to choose when you learn the flipping lessons and you know you can always I love that. I, you know, there's this old story. Nobody seems to know it but me, but this story about a little girl that was given a pile of manure for her birthday and she got out a shovel and started digging. Mm-hmm. Why? Because with all this shit around here, there's got to be a pony somewhere. <laughs> and like, that's been my biggest lesson in sobriety is with all the manure around here, there is a lesson, there is a pony, there is gold somewhere in the middle of all of that. If you take a breath and really look for it. I think that is a perfect way to close um, this fabulous interview. Kay, I have loved speaking with you and I bet our listeners have loved uh, hearing all the nuggets of wisdom you've had to share with us in your experience. Uh, what is the best way for our listeners to find you and to find your book, which is called Juicy AF, Alcohol-Free, Stop the Drinking Spiral, Create Your Future? So the best way is to go to juicyaf.life forward slash book. Okay. Okay. So- 
You know, it's an ebook. It's five bucks. Um, you'll also be invited to sign up for a 30 minute call with me. So that is the best way to find me, the best way to find my book. Fabulous. And a 30 minute call with Kay, what could be better? Um, I'm going to have a, uh, I want a 30 minute, another 30 minute call with you. <laughs> I knew we'd have fun together. <laughs> I did too. I can't thank you enough for joining us. Um, to all of our listeners, thank you for your continued support. Visit us on www.soberpodcast.com and all places you find your major podcasts. Leave us a review, sign up for our mailing list. I'm your host, Jamie Brickhouse. You can find me on uh, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, Jamie underscore Brickhouse on TikTok, where I tell a true story wearing high heels every day. I'm the author of Dangerous When Wet, a memoir of booze, sex, and my mother. You can find that on Amazon. Signing out from Sober Podcast. Tune in for another show next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Sober Podcast. We hope that you have found this episode helpful and look forward to you joining us next time. As we continue to grow and implement positive change, we hope that you'll share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. They can find us on all the major podcast directories. If you have an idea for the show, want to leave positive feedback, ideas, or comments, connect with us on thesoberpodcast.com. You can also reach us on our social media platform on The Soberverse. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all those who make this show happen. Jamie Brickhouse, our host, Carrie, our producer, Carl Fessenden, our voice, and our sponsor, The Sober Network. Sober.